Firstly, I, uh, I'm really delighted to be back at St. Matthew's. In fact, uh, I, uh, I came to faith in this church. I was baptized in this church. Um, I received uh, substantial healing uh, whilst I worshipped uh, in this church in the 90s. And um, I even painted several sections of the roof up there. You probably don't believe me. I didn't sign them, but um, uh, so it's it's uh, it's it's great to be back here. Um, so today I'm going to speak a little bit about uh, authority, and um, I'd like to begin by asking you what uh, your attitude is to authority. Is it respect? Is it begrudging acquiescence? Is it cynicism? Well, for sure it will depend upon the type of authority you call to mind. It may depend on your personal experience of authority figures, on your political inclinations, or the generation in which you were raised. Now, when we look at the world, we can see so many examples of unhealthy authority or the abuse of different kinds of authority by those who possess it. Um, this week, uh, I read um, about how the last living cast member of the film Casablanca had died. Madeleine Lebeau. Madeleine Lebeau sings the master lays passionately with tears in her eyes during what's called the dueling anthem scene in Rick's nightclub. Perhaps you haven't seen Casablanca for some years. It's a fantastic film. Go and look at it again. It's a wonderful film. Now, it reminded me of other scenes in the film where Captain Renault says, as a croupier hands him a pile of his winnings, that he is shocked, shocked, to find that gambling is going on here. As the prefect of police, he sells exit visas from wartime Morocco to desperate refugees for a price, and replies to Humphrey Bogart's character, Rick, I'm only a poor corrupt official. Now, in the Balkans, where I live, a position of authority is frequently something to aspire to possess because it gives you opportunities to exploit to the maximum for your own personal advantage. Doctors in the local hospitals will not treat patients without large cash gifts. Teachers will not give students high grades. City mayors will not hand out staff positions without all manner of personal favours, a la Captain Renault. Now, some of you may have caught um, the BBC's recent production of John Le Carre's The Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston, the man currently tipped be the next Bond after Daniel Craig. Now Tom's character goes on a revenge mission against the man Roper, played by Hugh Laurie, who you may know as either the goggle-eyed buffoon from Blackadder or as the arrogant house in uh, the US medical drama. Roper 
is a wealthy, highly connected humanitarian figure who behind his facade of public respectability is an international arms dealer. Now, in it we can see um, a widely held feeling that many of the powerful, those who wield influence in the world, are, in reality, rotten to the core. Now, whilst this, um, tragically, has been a social problem that has affected believers, it's hardly been confined to them. Now, when I was growing up in the north, uh, near Leeds, we would do playground impersonations of a certain TV DJ personality. Now, one can imagine a whole generation recently incinerating their Jim Fixed It For Me badges. Now, there are many kinds of the abuse of authority, the abuse of star power, over a starstruck fan, of a corporate executive to award himself an exorbitant paycheck, of a politician using selective information as an expedient for a particular position. It's like in the Brexit debate. Whose statistics do you trust? There is, among some, a disillusionment with political systems, with global leadership, with so many who have held previously trusted positions of authority. Some even see rebellion as a virtue. Now, I was reminded of Proverbs 29.2 as I was thinking about my message. Show me a righteous ruler and I will show you a happy people. Show me a wicked ruler and I will show you a miserable people. We may ask ourselves sometimes, is there anyone we can trust, anyone to whom we can lift our eyes and say that they merit their position, their title, their badge of office, that they are worthy of it? Now, entrance, stage right, the one about whom it is said in Revelation 5, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The one about whom it is said in Colossians 3, he is seated at the right hand of God. The one who said of himself in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the account of one Roman officer who believed that. Now it says in the first part of the story, in the seventh chapter of Luke, uh, I'm going to read from the NIV version. When Jesus had finished saying all this uh, to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was ill and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. 
When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went to them. Um, here, I personally like that touch of the servant of the imperial power, the Roman officer, and his care for the colonized servant in his house. As there's a bit of an apparent contradiction there. It seems that he was an unusual man who loved the people that he'd occupied and built a synagogue for them. In the area of the world uh, where I live and serve, it would be like an Ottoman Turk building an Orthodox church in Greece. It's just not very likely. Perhaps he was one of those people who were seeking after the true God. Has he caught something of what God has revealed about himself in his creation and is drawn towards those who are also that way inclined? It seems that he recognizes Jesus in his heart. He senses something about who he is. Maybe not with all the rightly tutored theological classifications. A holy man? With healing power, perhaps? There is a firm belief in Jesus as a person who heals. In verse 6, uh, it continues. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Um, in this Roman officer, you have the opposite of religious pride and self-righteousness. He has a humility and a consciousness of his own unworthiness in the presence of Jesus. He's not a man who says to himself, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people. But a man who more likely says, Here is one, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. We are reminded to hear James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He's also, I think, someone who understands the nature of military authority and thus he has no difficulty in understanding spiritual authority. When he makes an order to one of his soldiers, he expects that it will be done. There are consequences, severe, for the failure to carry out his word. We, too, we, we also know, too, that when God speaks, his creation responds. In Genesis 1, we read, Then God commanded, Let there be light, and light appeared. And in Isaiah, 
55, it says, So also will be the word that I speak. It will not fail to do what I plan for it. It will do everything I send it to do. In the last part uh, of uh, that chapter, it, it goes like this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The centurion was prepared to trust Jesus, even by a simple word of command. He was commended for it by Jesus, who notes that a Gentile had surpassed the Jews in showing it. It's a remarkable incident of humility and faith in the power of Jesus to heal at a distance. Now, given all that I mentioned at the beginning about the abuse of authority, authority in the right hands is a desperately needed thing. Healthy authority, redeemed authority, it's a go-to place. You can find the right answers there. You can find the capability and the resources to make things happen. You can get results from those who are rightly in authority. Jesus has that authority and he wields it with wisdom and love. The quality of this centurion's faith um, in, in, excuse me, in Jesus' capability, it shines out. I've heard it said in this way, in God's economy, you've got to believe before you get. You tell him what you need, and you say to him that you know that it's on its way. You cannot go about it by saying, show me the goods, and then I'll believe. Faith, like the centurions, it's, is a creative force that goes out into the realm of the Spirit and releases God's power. When you trust God, you don't have to try to figure everything out anymore. You're not left coping with your own finite capacities supplemented by your personal connections. the rest of God. As you lean on Him, you take the pressure off yourself. Faith gives you a flat-out rest in a world that wears you out. You may say to yourself, I have this problem, this difficulty, this situation that I'm facing. Do I just say a prayer of faith, sit back and press the, uh, the cruise control button? Well, you may need to stop fretting about or striving for something. But generally speaking, you do what you can do, and you let the Lord do what you can't. I heard um, one US preacher, US preacher recently express it this way, so I wrote it down in a little gold book that I keep. 
God has got the power to help you. He's got the wisdom to know what to do. And he's good enough to do it whether you deserve it or not. All you have to do is trust him. Amen.